Hello, men and women of the Renaissance. You're listening to the Dare Daniel Podcast, where you send us your most sinister movie dares, and we suffer those consequences for your amusement. I'm Corky McDonald, a.k.a. the Bard of Bars, and with me as always is Daniel Barnes, the film critic for the Sacramento News and Review, and member of the San Francisco Film Critics Circle. Hi everyone, as Corky said, on this show, we do your dirty work by watching the most unwatchable movies you can imagine. And then we review and rate them on our unique system. A run-of-the-mill, everyday average bad movie is a dare. We give a double dare to those truly atrocious movies, and we reserve the reverse dare for a despised movie that is actually pretty good. Today on the podcast, we'll be reviewing Penny Marshall's 1994 film, Renaissance Man, starring Danny DeVito and featuring a young Mark Wahlberg. But before we get started, Daniel also writes a craft beer column for the Sacramento Bee. So he's going to tell us all about the beer he brought for us today. So today I brought a beer called Enigma Gold by Ale Industries out of Oakland, California. Uh, It is 7.35% alcohol by volume. It's what's called an Extra Brute IPA. So the Extra Brute is a, a new style, and I'm not a brewer or a scientist, but I'll try to explain it very quickly, which is that they add this enzyme during the process that eats up a lot of the residual sugars. So it results in a very dry beer with a very dry finish, super hop forward, but a very clean kind of a a flavor to it. So it's sort of a very fizzy champagne-like beer. This one is gold-colored. I'm not a beer critic or a brewer, but it's full. I don't know if that makes sense. It's a very full beer. Yeah, the flavor you get is just right up front, and since it has that crisp, dry finish, that's what kind of lingers there. It's ah. just the hop flavor, you know, instead of the sugars or anything else. It's good. I like it. Yeah. So hopefully this beer that lingers will help us with this movie that unfortunately lingers very pungently yes. on the palate. So this movie was dared to us by Mike Dub, listener and subscriber, and he says in his dare... This is the movie that made Danny DeVito and Gregory Hines the most beloved comedy movie of the 90s. <laughs> Bonus, a.k.a. spoiler alert, teaching Shakespeare to young, poor, predominantly minority people by rapping. Uh, yeah, so Renaissance Man. You know, if you kind of look back to the era, I don't think it's stretching too much to say that Penny Marshall at the time was literally the most successful female director in the history of film. She was the first woman to direct a $100 million grossing movie with Big. She then followed that up with Awakenings, which was uh, Best Picture nominated. Followed that up with A League of Their Own, a sports movie for women that men also wanted to see, also made $100 million. Yeah, she was killing it. Four first four movies, four hits, two blockbusters, one Best Picture nomination. And then in 1994 comes Renaissance Man. And it all just kind of comes crashing down. A $40 million budget somehow. What the fuck? The film Speed, which came out the same summer, $30 million. Budgeted. This has $40 million. Despite having no action scenes, no special effects, one sort of star in Danny DeVito. And that's it. What the fuck? It uh, was released on June 3rd, 1994 on almost 2,000 screens. Uh, got a 17 rating on Rotten Tomatoes. Only grossed $24 million in the U.S. against $40 million budget. Um... It opened in fourth place. I think this is kind of interesting looking at this. You know, a lot of people think this whole trend towards like nostalgia and franchise movies is like a new thing. Top three films at the box office, June 1994. The Flintstones, Maverick, Beverly Hills Cop 3, (laughs) two TV show adaptations and one sequel that no one wanted or remembers. Uh, And then Renaissance Man opening in fourth place. So quirky, like... 
when A League of Their Own came out, Penny Marshall was 48 years old. She was, again, the most successful female director in the history of sure. film. Yeah. She seemed to totally have her finger on the pulse of the box office. She was making little movies that were making a ton of money. What happened between 1992 and 1994 to bring this all crashing down? 1994. This is about the time that she was uh, divorcing Rob Reiner, maybe, or maybe the marriage is going south. About the time he makes North, right? right? So this is both their fuck you. This is their low point. Of this the, is, <laughs> I don't care movies. about tomorrow. I'm going to, I'm just going to do anything to get out of the house right now. <laughs> like, <laughs> I want to be, I want to be on location in South Carolina for three months. Yeah. Like, I'm out of here. Oh, uh, yeah. Yeah. It's a movie that has essentially no story, no plot. No conflict, absolutely 100% no stakes, and yet is two hours and eight minutes. Two hours and eight minutes. almost nothing happening. What it is trying to do, it is doing very poorly. There are some movies, when you expect them to zig, they zag, or when you expect them to zig, they zig. This movie, when you expect it to zig, it stands in place, <laughs> It does nothing. <laughs> talks to itself for a bit, and then moves nowhere else. Just nothing. Just turns around and then acts like the movie is still going. Yeah, I think it's it's pretty much apt we're doing this on Mother's Day. Because this is a movie that makes me wish I was never born. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's the kind of movie that your mom might like because it's just about people kind of being nice, right? It's right. about them learning to be nice. Um, there's no story. There's no stakes. There's no conflict. It's just, you know... Nice people learning to be nice to each other. <laughs> it's a movie about that, the nice that people. That mean guy learned to be nice. <laughs> Did he, though? He's pretty much an asshole. He's an a-hole. Bill Rago, complete a-hole to everyone for no reason. We'll get um, into it, yeah. but five minutes in, an extra character tells him to his face he's an asshole. Like you're a total asshole. So, yeah, let's start at the beginning, uh, which, uh, right at the beginning, we get a sample of Cantaloupe by Us Three, which lets us know... We're in for some fun. Because that song is just fun. That is announcing fun. This telling you this movie's funky, funky. <laughs> bitty, bitty bop. So we get the opening credits montage, which is Places in Detroit. We get all these nervous admin uh, waiting for Danny DeVito's character, who is supposed to deliver this big pitch. And right away, there are going to be some problems with the humor in this movie. Because in this opening scene with these like nervous executives who are like trying to wine and dine these guys and they're really nervous because the, the guys are about to leave and they're waiting for Danny DeVito, everyone is talking about muffins. And they just say muffins, like, have some muffins. Okay, well, uh, I'm sorry. And then Danny DeVito, he's stuck in traffic and he's like, give him some muffins. You know, <laughs> like, Just saying the word muffin yeah. eight times is supposed to be funny. In and of itself. And that sets the tone because Danny DeVito in this movie delivers a string of what I can only call non-jokes. Right. It's a non-stop. Like, he's a non-stop delivering these punchlines. He's punch a line. funny guy. He has comic he timing. But it's essentially as though someone has given him the template for a joke, left a few blank spaces in there, and just said, fill it in with army shit. <laughs> you know, and that is like the repeating theme. And we're going to keep the worst one. Yeah. Like, <laughs> use that. What's the first one you came up with? Perfect. Nailed it. Should I do more? No. I loved how 90s this was because the advertising, the, the Gigi advertising guys have long hair. <laughs> yeah, right? They're yes. dressed like Skinamax late night. Yeah, guys. like the baggy suits and stuff. And then the They're concept. They're all like uh, Griffin in, in the player. They're all Tim Robbins That's the exactly who they are. And the concept of calling in from your car to this meeting is like treated as like, whoa. It's like, what is this? 
this. I know. He's like late for the meeting because he is in gridlock traffic. Like no one is moving. He gets out of his car and is like walking around and stuff. And for the very first thing that we see about Danny DeVito, first of all, he's late to like the most important meeting of his life, which is a recurring theme in this yes, movie. He is absolutely. late to everything important yep. right up to the very end. Ed Begley is his boss or the guy who's on his side in this meeting. Right. He's like third build. But this is his only, it's only scene. scene in the entire movie. <laughs> I like the Ed Begley clout was like third build, <laughs> one scene, you got the bags, boosh. Yeah, right? Like, draw them in. <laughs> draw them in with like, that's the little bait we're going to use to pull, pull the kids in. Is that, got, they know Ed Begley Jr. is in this thing. <laughs> we got French auteur director Penoir Marshall, and we got Ed Beggs. What more do you need? So he's in advertising, yeah, um, which is a Hollywood code for cool job. Yeah, but also Hollywood code code for shallow. If you're a better person, you would have a better, more moral job. Yeah. Right? Fuck however much money you make, even though the money it ends up being like the main thing in this movie. But it's basically like only jerks are in advertising, right? But, and this is how mishmash this is, is. He's a jerk. He's in advertising. But he's not bad at his job. He's just late. I don't Cut. know. I would argue he's bad at his job. His well, pitch is like, there's a bunch of dancing fruit. And then the dancing fruit is just dancing around. Grapes are dancing. Like, they seemed into it until the phone call cut out. But then later on, he's like working on oh, just, We're skipping way ahead. But later on, he's working on another one. And it seems to also be dancing <laughs> yeah, food. One like, thing. It's one thing. It's like, all right. Uh, we're doing a hammer ad. Uh, dancing hammers. Oh, but he won the awards awards for being in the advertising awards. <laughs> what, what was the name of the awards? The Addies or something? The Ad Awards. Yeah. The, yeah. And then he, so he, he loses the account, gets fired from his job. He overhears the boss, Reman Ed Beggs out. And Ed Beggs mentions that he's had personal setbacks. Right. And Which I'm are like, super vague throughout this whole movie. Advertising, personal setbacks, collateral beauty. He's right. got a recognition. Oh, yeah, for sure. <laughs> Love time and death are visiting him. Which pretty much, Danny DeVito plays all three characters for about several different people <laughs> yeah. in the later part of this movie. Yeah. He's at the unemployment department in Detroit. They're doing paperwork, and she asks him about, you know, can you work on with farm equipment? And he says, yeah, I studied theory of plowing. Wait, so you're telling me this? there's a black clerk at this unemployment department. She's a little sassy. Is she sassy? She's a little sassy. I can't tell if she's going to be sassy. And she will not deal with your shit. No, she's, oh, no. she's going to tell you that you need to go <laughs> no, back sir. to the back of the line. You need an attitude adjustment if you're going to come here. Did um, she snap gum? Because I think she snapped gum. A little gum. bit, maybe. <laughs> is he just an asshole to her, or is he an asshole to his daughter in the very next scene as he well? He is an asshole to literally every person Holy that he meets. Shit. Yeah, his daughter, and his daughter's pretty <laughs> awful, too. Her whole thing is that she just wants money for a telescope. Yeah, mom's broke because we hear we the, never see the ex-wife. So there, he takes his daughter to a ball game. She's telling him about how she wants to go to this trip. She's dreams are to be an astronomer and she needs a telescope. And he basically just fucking says, "Be an astrologer. At least you'll make some money." <laughs> I know, right? It's like you're gonna kill your daughter's dreams just for like the wordplay of that punchline. <laughs> like you're an advertiser, you couldn't sell this a little better to her. I know, right? It's just so half-hearted. That's why I think he's just really he's bad at every job that he has in this movie, including teaching. Uh, speaking of which, he goes back to the employment office. They now have a job for him—a six-week job teaching at a military base. Which, of course, he's just taken aback by. But he accepts the job. He doesn't really have any, you know, choice. His daughter needs that telescope. Yeah, exactly. It's it's telescope money. <laughs> yeah, it's just telescope money. This he is seems what, fine. This movie is so ham-fisted in it. it he makes a bad joke about, I could get shot teaching. The kids bring guns to schools these days. That joke is there just solely so she can just say, they everybody, all carry guns. Because it's at an army base. Wow, bum, 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 bum. 
I cut to people marching yep. at a military base. So much marching in this movie. <laughs> this is why I can't figure out why this movie costs $40 million. <laughs> so, like, you know, again, like, we're, we're comparing it to other movies that have, like, special effects and action scenes and stuff like this, which this movie has none of it. The two places that it shot, one was Michigan, which at that time was offering huge tax breaks to film production. The other was on a, a military base in South Carolina where they apparently had an unlimited stream of free background actors. Yes. Every act, like all the extras, like they're constantly just doing maneuvers in the background, right? They must have been doing it for 10 hours. You couldn't just get extras on there and go like, hey guys, do these like very involved choreographed drills for like the next 12 hours, okay? Like they're obviously, we're using all of the free extras that were available on the base. I think a lot of that money went to the sweet, sweet uh, set decorating of the base housing. <laughs> Which there's none. What is that, wood on wood? Oh, nice. They spared no expense. They Yeah, they didn't have to build any sets. They right? built no sets, no costumes, didn't pay for extras, got tax breaks the entire time. No stars, no action scenes. So think about Collateral Beauty, which had all those things except for action scenes, but it had special effects and had stars and all that stuff. $36 million. But that movie didn't have Ed Begley Jr. In 2016 money. This was 1994. <laughs> Ed Begley doesn't roll out of bed with seven women in it <laughs> yeah, right. for less than 17 mil. So his first interaction we see at the military base, he's pulling up, he's trying to get through, and we find out Bill Rago is not good with rules. Oh, boy. Oh, some uh, MP tries to give him directions, and he just asks, why can't I park over there? Yeah, I know, right? Like, Has he not existed in the world? Right? Does he not get, like, no, just go park over there, fuckhead? He wanders onto a military base like he <laughs> fucking owns the place, yeah. And then he has the interaction with guy who is giving him directions and tells him to go to the MPT and the TPT and the... Can I buy a vowel? <laughs> Acronym humor. Which is just like... That's not even a fucking joke, right? Like, yeah, take that, acronyms. Like, ooh. Then we see James Ramar. Shout out Ajax from Warriors. Absolutely. He's Captain Murdoch, and he's a very expository army captain. <laughs> I know. He's the one who explains all these kids and everything. He cannot help but tell Bill about all his problems about running a military base. Yeah. Everything. Uh, we're shutting all these bases, but where do they send them? They send them here. I got trucks I can't find. I got tanks. He's just met this man. He's a civilian. He's a civilian. <laughs> who has no teaching experience which he has made very clear like he can't he has no experience with this at all but they've brought him in here to teach these soldiers young soldiers who are quote struggling in the brain department struggling in the brain they're department. dumb so they can't take orders <laughs> from they their captains are saying these guys are too stupid to take orders common phrase that is used is the double d's dumb as dog shit dumb as dog shit so he's showing them around the base and we drive by Chekhov's victory tower they're they're very like detailed about what the tower is and what the tower means and check out the tower and where this might be some foreshadowing. And if this movie actually had structure, that would be coming back in the third act. Uh -huh. yeah, right, that's not exactly how <laughs> that works. How work. He is puttering around his base housing unit, which is terribly de decorated. Right. And he's just moping, and he turns his back, and then we hear three lines delivered about his advertising award. Maybe I can hawk it. That's what I'll do. And the last one is right, on his like face. <laughs> the last one is on his face. His mouth does not move. No, right. <laughs> and then he sits in the chair and it breaks. So it's like nice capper on a sweet scene <laughs> with some ADR that sets up a minuscule thing that right. happens. But the original cut was just him like pacing him back and forth in the cabin and then sitting down on the chair that broke. And they were like, Which we just, better have some jokes to this. It fucking just dawned on me that the only reason he could pay for his daughter's ticket is because he does 
hawk that award, right. his job doesn't even pay it's him enough nothing, to get his daughter. Nothing. There's no reason for him to take this job. <laughs> Except personal redemption. Oh, yeah. Um, so First yeah, day of class. First day of class. Basic comprehension class. Which just sounds awful. That's like telling someone minimum wage. Yeah. We want to pay you less, but we're going to pay you. <laughs> this is like the worst. Basic comprehension. This is the least you could understand. Yeah. And he has the line, which is in the trailer, uh, where he says, I've never taught before. And you've never thought before, which is interesting because in the trailer, it is cut as though he is saying that right to their faces as they are standing in attention in front of him. <laughs> and in the film, he's actually saying it to an empty classroom because yeah. like, it's really fucked up to go to people in basic comprehension class and be like, you've never thought before, you dumb shit. It's like the trailer makes you uh, want to hate him more. I know, right? <laughs> They're like, let's make him more hateful. Like. So the soldiers come into class, and we see a young Mark Wahlberg. Uh-huh. We got Stacy Dash. We got Kalodro from Bronx Tale, Kadeem yep. Hardison, and, and the guy from Juice. People. And we got a young Denzel. <laughs> a couple other guys, yeah. And they all have uh, a story. Are they troubled kids? They're all a little troubled. They're all from the city. They're all from Detroit, right? Uh, which I know no. you're thinking, like, what is the major military institution right outside of Detroit? All no. the black kids this was shot are in from Southern California. All the, the black, black kids, kids are from, from Detroit. Detroit. The white kids are from the farm, and one kid's from New York. And one kid, the Puerto Rican, is from, from New, New York. York. Yeah. Yes, and he follows in the hallowed footsteps of Leatherman from Can't Stop the Music and the Immortal Line. I'm from the Bronx. I'm Glenn. Because as soon as his name is read, he stands up and is like, New York City! <laughs> New York, New York City in the house! Yankees, like, Mets, Rangers! Yes, because once again, only if you are from the Bronx or Brooklyn will you say where you are from before you will say who you are. Exactly. No one has ever been like, I'm from Bismarck, North Dakota. I'm Steve. <laughs> it's never happened. <laughs> so he... He's taking attendance. The attendance scene takes about 100 hours. Oh, my God. This went on so long. So because everyone long. has to establish their little story, right? And so they're infighting. The story, the New York kid, his story is just that he's from New York. Stacy Dash, her story is that her mom moved around a lot. Sleepy kid, his story is that he lot. sleeps a lot. <laughs> There's the football player who blew out his knee. There's Kadeem Hardison is just a loudmouth. <laughs> uh, and then there's the kid whose father is was missing in action in Vietnam, and he believes that he was a hero, but there's no record of him. All right, so this was the biggest bullshit part of this movie to me at all, because he starts bringing up his dad, and the other guys start teasing my dad, because he says, my dad was a hero. My dad, my dad died in Vietnam. My dad. And... They all pointedly go, your dad wasn't a fucking hero. Your dad wasn't a hero. This was a like, man who gave his I, life. These in are the young sur- soldiers, and they're just like shitting on veterans. Who died. <laughs> this would be the one thing they like about this yeah, guy, right? You know what I mean? Would be like, okay, I respect it, right? But yeah, no. No, that's they, they are very contemptuous of his father dying in Vietnam. So I'm not sure if Bill Rago doesn't jive with the army, but if you didn't know, you find out because he wakes up early with Reveille yeah, at 4.30 a.m. 4.30 a.m. He walks outside and yells at them doing maneuvers like an old man <laughs> complaining about his neighbors. You're on a military fucking base. <laughs> no, right? Like, they're going to stop for you? That's like moving next to a volcano and be like, hey, the uh, lava. I know. Like, this is going to happen every day, man. <laughs> shit out. I don't know why this is. I just have this in my notes. It just says swinging from the ugly tree. That was my very next line. Like, what is that? Swinging from the ugly tree was the biggest insult in this movie. (laughs) Stacey Dash delivers it to another girl who calls her Double D. Oh, that's right. She's like, at least I'm not swinging from the ugly tree. And the guy from Juice. Now that you think about it, so Stacey Dash is like a uh, right-wing right-wing psychopath these days, right? And her whole thing is that she's totally racist against black people. (laughs) 
and she makes a lynching joke here. I'm like, that's, holy shit! Talk yeah. about foreshadowing. <laughs> holy shit, like, Penny! Uh, I just got some ideas here. I, I want to throw like, this in. Can I wear a hood in this? Yeah, scene? right. Like, can I just make a joke about swinging from a tree? So uh, the first assignment that he gets them to all write is, "Why did you join the army?" They all have their bad histories, which they they repeat. They come back to again. Right, like they've already gone through it, and then it's like, okay, now flesh it out a little bit. I yeah, and they so the kid from Juice, they they go into these long push-ins on these troubled histories. One kid's sister died. Stacy Dash got abandoned at a bus station. Someone else is getting beat at home. The one kid from Juice just goes, I want to learn a new trade. I'm like, okay, that's poignant. That's coming up again. Drug dealer, pimp, something. (laughs) And so Bill, he's having a hard time reaching the students, right? Yeah. He's having a hard time reaching. He has them to bring in in what they're reading, and they're bringing in comic books and stuff like that. Sports Illustrated. Sports Illustrated. Uh, And he's talking about the book that he's reading, which is called Hamlet. One of the students right on cue says, isn't that a lot of about a little bitty pig? Which is like the level of fucking humor in this movie. Hamlet. Hamlet. Isn't that about a little bitty pig? No, no, it's not about a little bitty pig. As he tells me, it's actually about murder and incest, which at that point they're like, tell me more. I know. Like, that was, incest was the one young, thing that perked right, everybody. That was it. They were like, <laughs> if this movie, like, take one lesson away from this movie, young people love incest. <laughs> like, they are hooked on it. Because honestly, these kids, they get one. One little taste of that sweet, sweet Shakespeare baby, and they are hooked for life. Hey, yo, your first taste of the bard is free. He gives them like one little mention, and they are just leaning forward, hand, you know, heads on hands, just like awestruck. But it is established that these kids not only have not heard of Shakespeare, right? They have not heard of plays. No, so he says (laughs) the concept of plays. He says Hamlet, and they're like, no, I don't know. It's like Shakespeare. That I no idea. It's like. You know the play? Play. I just I don't know what a play is. Play? Right? But later on he says he's talking about Hamlet and he says, "So you know the phrase something's rotten in Denmark?" And they're all like, "Oh yeah. Yeah 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 yeah. 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 Uh plays. <laughs> Never heard of plays, but yeah, something's rotten in Denmark in and the he hood also referen- of Detroit all the time, man. He references Romeo and Juliet and they're like, "Yeah, yeah, we got that. Yeah, no, we they know, know that. it from context what Romeo and Juliet, but they don't know what plays are." Ah, oh, these kids do have basic comprehension issues. <laughs> Another horrible thing about this movie is the music cues. The music cues are so cloying and obvious. The twinkly notes let you know that this was a real breakthrough for Bill with these kids. Yeah, absolutely. This movie's ideas of like what what education means, which is just like take a savage beast, <laughs> spray Shakespeare all over him head to toe, and then they will be like in no- so ennobled that they will be like kind of magically better. Uh, Hines, Gregory Hines, who's playing Sergeant Cass, he's kind of spies on the class a little bit. And then he calls Bill Rago out a little bit later. Right. He tells him, look, your job is fucking worthless. Yeah. These kids don't need you. They need me. But then again, you also don't care enough to I do know, your job right? well. This whole thing is like, you need to be disciplining these kids. Like, you, you care too much about these kids. Also, while you are caring, you're not caring about it. Your bullshit nothing job that doesn't matter. <laughs> You don't care about it enough. Yes, I know. So the care thing, about it more. That is totally but it useless. Matter. And no one could do well, and you don't care about it. Like, this movie's desperate attempts to manufacture any kind of conflict or any kind of stakes when really there are just none. None. There's just none. They love marching to anachronistic music. Yes. Like nursery they march rhymes, to tiny bubbles. Tiny bubbles. Oh, it's hilarious. I mean, that's a joke here. Sleepy guy can't deliver the lines of Hamlet, so they start making beats. Or, or actually, Bill Rago's the first one. To, he says, say it in a rhythm, and they start doing a Gotta rhythm. Gotta say it to a beat. 
<laughs> to thine own self be true. Oh my god. He pulls out two turntables. <laughs> I know. Yes. Like that is brutal. Like, Wait for the drop. Wait for the drop. <laughs> so there's an obligatory Mark Wahlberg shirtless shot. Where and he's singing achy breaky heart so 90s. in the shower, which is comes right after the scene where they're marching to tiny bubbles, which Gregory Hines is leading, even though he doesn't like any hijinks, but he will march to Tiny Bubbles. Right. In a very choreographed kind of dance march. The the guy, Davis, who who idolizes his dad, the Viet, dead Vietnam vet, is kind of standing at like a makeshift shrine in his locker to his dad. He's rubbing the dog tags in his fingers. He's got pictures of his dad, and he's wearing his dad's hat. <laughs> they come out of the shower. Two other classmates come out of the shower. to come. He like sneakily puts the hat away, puts the dog tags. <laughs> I just love this side story of this kid just building this fucking <laughs> Santeria shrine to his dead dad. That he's so ashamed of. <laughs> that he's so ashamed. I wear his clothes. He's Buffalo billing his dad. <laughs> Seriously. Oh, <laughs> uh, so again. My dad is um, shaved a great big fat girl. <laughs> <laughs> So we have a huge tone change right now. The, uh, Melvin, the sleepy guy, gets mail. And he's reading the story, reading a letter to Mark Wahlberg about this really sweet letter his little brother sent. And then it starts going, well, now that you're gone, dad hits me and not you. <laughs> yeah, right. I sure, it sure has changed. Dad beats all of us now. <laughs> it and, used to be just you. Thanks a lot, asshole. As soon as he reads that, Mark Wahlberg goes, hey, so what kind of car does he drive? <laughs> Melvin goes, lays down on the bed and tries to sleep. And Mar- there's a line in this movie where he's like, Melvin. Melvin, don't go back to sleep. <laughs> we finally find out why Melvin sleeps all the time. It's not. He's, he's just trying to escape the world. It's man. He has CTE. He's <laughs> fucking been knocked around so much. <laughs> These are tiny seizures. Uh, we so, are fucking not even halfway through this oh, movie. Not even close. Not even close. Now, real. I mean, once again, just realize the movie realizing that it has no conflict, that it has no point and no anything. They now are going to introduce another uh, factor, which is Cliff Robertson <laughs> showing up as like the base commander in what was probably his last role or, or one of his last roles. The scene where you meet him, Bill Rago walks in to see him, and Cliff Robertson spins around in his chair. Yeah, like it was fucking- very clearly like Cliff Robertson was like, "Okay, I'll do it." I'm not standing. <laughs> like, I'm not standing and can I'm not I, moving. Can I do it like a Bond villain introduction yeah. where I spin around in my chair? There's no way he was not reading off cue cards. Can dude. I pet a cat while I'm doing this? <laughs> so yeah, Cliff Robertson is is not happy, right? Isn't that? He's actually pretty chill. He's like, look, I don't, I don't give a fuck. What, like, why Who did was he even wrong? get called in there? Who was wrong in this? You were wrong. He was wrong. Oh, right. Because oh, well, he has a whole thing with Gregory Hines where once again, Gregory Hines is like doing his job. He's a goddamn drill sergeant. Yeah. And DeVito walks up and is like, hey, leave the kids alone. Chill out. Yeah, like, chill out. Like, did you, have you known what the world Were is? Were you toilet trained at gunpoint? <laughs> it's like, fuck. But Cliff Robertson, the colonel who runs the whole thing, is like, you know what? I don't care. It's Just like, make friends. Else? Yeah. It's all good. And we can see that he is still longing for his career as an advertising executive because he is drawing up something for a product called Spud Duds, <laughs> which, of course, has like dancing potatoes. And I'm like... Is that an actual product in this world, or is he making a make-believe advertisement? That's <laughs> like, called Spud Duds. Spud Duds. Spud Duds with dancing potatoes. <laughs> then in the next class, he's once again late, because he's late to like everything. He was late getting to the first day of the job as yeah. well, right? I don't think we mentioned that. The but. kids are pissed. They're pissed, and he's, he's like, what happens? He's like, well, I had another job interview. And they're just like, oh, another adult 
who is like abandoning us and who said they'd be there for us and they isn't going to be there. And he's just like, oh, I got a mortgage. And it's like, that's, that's just like a weak excuse. Of yeah. I mean, maybe this is just the 40 year old in me, but I'm like, mortgages are serious business kids. Like, yeah. And, and by the way, he's him- on a six week contract, <laughs> which it apparently is probably in the like, what, fourth week of this contract. You need to look for work. Yeah. <laughs> he has no work. There was no talk of like, this could be a full time job. Yeah. It's just six weeks. Teach these stupid soldiers yeah. some fucking Shakespeare and like be done with it. And he's they're pissed at him for finding another job so that he won't lose his house. And we're calling them kids, but they're young adults. I mean, they, they one, all, one right? has a child. <laughs> they're all in their 20s. Yeah. So there's more ADR when his back is turned. He's just storming around his room. But then he says, quote unquote, if I don't get him back now, I'll lose him forever. <laughs> Because can, the stakes are very much not clear. And then my favorite ADR line, you can't just quit now. You've been doing that all your lives. <laughs> no, no, they haven't. They, they're they just not very smart people. One yeah, is right? getting beat up all the like, time at home. Have you been listening to their stories? These kids have been abused and abandoned. One is life, championing actually. his dead father's cause at every moment. <laughs> right. The students turn their back on him. Bill's like, oh my God, what have I done? He races to the victory tower. Of right? convenience. Huh? It's coming back. Right? Yes. It's coming back for the big ending. Okay, so <laughs> this is our third act. The students are up on the tower, and Bill's saying like, "Ah, yo, I'm sorry, I'm sorry." You owe me he's fifteen minutes. Make, he's trying to make some amends. You owe me fifteen minutes for the class. They're like, "What? Well, you got to climb the tower." And Gregory Hines is there too, and he's saying, "Climb the tower." You know, this is what we do. This is this is our job, Bill. This is what we do in the army. So little Danny Vito gets up. Climbs up the tower, starts to shimmy down the tower, and don't look down. And oh, we look down. Hilarious. Uh, There's a lot of DeVito bulge going on yeah. in this scene, too. So the very, <laughs> yes, there is. There's a lot of Danny Dick Vito going on in this scene, dude. <laughs> so he repels down the tower and comes down to the bottom, and it's heroic, and everyone comes together, and it's a big, like, warm, happy ending where it all, like, everyone has learned their lesson. And we're pretty much at the end of the movie here, right? This is a nice, it's a nice, tight little 75-minute movie. No. There's an hour left, Porky. There's an hour. Oh, believe me, I checked. One hour. The movie's over. Gregory Hines was there. Everything that needed to be proved to Hines, to the students, to himself. All loose ends tied up. We've had the big scene of the tower. There is one hour left in this movie. It's ridiculous. It's like, I, I, I... Saw that on my little thing. I like paused the movie to be like, is this almost over? And it's like, holy shit, there's an hour left. <laughs> like, what is going to happen during this hour? And, and that whole scene is played over the most jaunty music, like Teddy Rex style. Yeah. It's so not fitting the scene. So how are they going to fill out this last hour of the movie? Well, first of all, rapping about Shakespeare. The kids come in and they do a little Shakespeare rap, don't they? But got a little military flavor <laughs> doing a little marching a little rapping and a little bit of shakespeare <laughs> let me remind you the movie is over at this point it's the done. movie is fucking over after this is just talking about hamlet <laughs> everyone's it- learned all the lessons they need to learn you could argue that this is after this it's pretty much a reboot of hamlet set at a military base <laughs> They talk about Hamlet in a scene. There's now a recessa dummy for some reason in a class. It's laying in the background with pieces of other recessa dummy faces. And it looks like a Hieronymus Bosch painting. (laughs) 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 
Hobbs gets Hamlet though. He's because he's street smart, and it really tips Rago, Bill Rago, that uh, this kid's smarter than he seems. There's something going on here. Yeah, he's the one who needed a, a change in a career change or something. Yeah, very vague about his background. So the next scene is uh, Captain Murdoch again, James Ramar, and and Bill in a bar, and Captain. It's like every time they come back to this guy, he's just like, oh, and these fucking trucks, and my wife. <laughs> he's just he vents to Bill all the time. It's so funny that this gruff military man has. <laughs> just found a friend he just like unloads on him yeah (laughs) one thing we forgot to mention during the uh, hamlet rap which by the way was co-written by marky mark although in the scene he does not dance or rap he actually just is sitting at a desk drumming his hands on the table so like I'm not rapping this fucking shit. Oh, yeah. That's probably him trying to branch out. Look. Just being like, no, nah, I'm a serious actor. Yeah. I drum my hands on I'm the table. I'm from Willacoochee, Georgia in this scene. I'll write the Hamlet rap. But here's why I don't think he wrote it. Because the Hamlet rap actually has couplets that are double syllables. There's a little internal rhyming in there. Yeah. You're like, it's kind of clever. That's beyond him. Well, the, the next- opening line is... This is a very 90s opening line. Iller than Cape Fear. Yeah, right. <laughs> oh, and Kadeem Hardison is doing this really bad mid-90s Onyx-style right. rapping yeah, yeah. when everybody got grimy. <laughs> yeah, right. Yo, check it out. I'm going to roll with the shit. <laughs> so the reason why I know Wahlberg didn't write any of that is because the next scene when they – okay, so if you find out that Hobbs was a criminal selling crack in Detroit. Yeah, so DeVito brings him to the attention of the military brass, and they're like, what, what's the deal with this kid? I want to know more about this kid. I want to recommend him for – he should be in officer school. And it turns out he forges documents. He was getting away from a conviction for controlled substance. He is like a, a fugitive from justice, a fugitive <laughs> crack dealer. And they're like, uh, no, he's going to prison. But so. there's a there's a scene where he they're arresting him in front, in front of the whole barracks. Kadeem Hardison has to hold his bag while they're putting his stuff in. Yeah. And the so- soundtrack is playing a Mark Wahlberg a rap, and it is the most garbage song you've ever heard. Life and the- in the streets, it ain't easy. <laughs> Mark Wahlberg, Take it from Mark Wahlberg. He grew up in Hollywood. His older brother was in a popular band when he was nine. He's a child actor. He knows nothing about the streets. And the rhymes in that song are like, there was a box next to a fox and he talks selling rocks life in the street it is that bad brutal brutally bad embarrassing really what my my favorite thing in the whole movie so after uh hobbs gets arrested in front of everybody the 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 class they're all kind of like looking at this empty desk it's very dead poet society after the kid kills himself there's an empty desk stacy dash walks in and puts one flower on his desk He's not dead. He's not dead. (laughs) You put a daisy on his desk. He's in prison. What the fuck is that about? So Bill is angry at the army for some reason, even though he's the one who brought him to his attention. Yeah. The students are angry at Bill, even though he has brought a fugitive crack dealer to justice. Yeah, right? Um, and the kid is actually super stoked about it when he writes a letter later. It's like, thank you. Like, yeah, right? I'm finally getting my life together. And I'm in prison, so I have tons of time to read Shakespeare. And that is the most studio jail cell he's in. <laughs> That's just awful. It's, it's... like a beautiful sunset. <laughs> uh, and then Bill says to the kids, hey, look. To thine own self be true. Yeah. F- bringing it full circle. And the kids walk out on him. Um, so he is like, well, shit, I'm at a low point. So I'm going to take my fake ads for the fake product First, Spud Duds. I'm going to tear up my advertising things I'm working Duds on. Ads. Do some jumping jacks. I'm going to do it like the military does it. Which wasn't that the whole, like, do it like the military does it? Why he climbed the victory tower? <laughs> but no, his whole his journey now is still... Do it like the military does it, which is the military is the one who put the kid in fucking jail. (laughs) (laughs) 
he did do it like the military did. But he's like, nope. Do some jumping jacks. Do some, uh, you know, Shakespeare uh, chants. I, while I you're can marching. now give acronym directions. I'm giving acronym directions. And he pawns his award. Pawns his award, right? Uh, to buy his daughter the telescope that she wanted. Daughter's and got a little quirk to her. This is a very troubling scene. <laughs> Let me tell you why. So as it plays out, so the daughter walks into a house. We don't we don't even know whose house it is. She walks into a house. She walks. She sees on the stairs. There's like a ribbon leading up the stairs. She walks up the stairs, ribbon into her bedroom, and there's the telescope with a giant ribbon around it. And she's like, "Oh my god, dad! Dad bought me the telescope. You know, yeah, it's great." So one of two things is happening here. A this is Bill Rago's house, and he has left his middle school-aged daughter alone for six weeks while he is living on a military base. Or B, this is his ex-wife's house. He has broken into the house to elaborately set this up for his daughter, including entering his daughter's bedroom. So this is either, like, monstrous neglect, or this is a monstrous invasion of privacy. Or a B&E. Yes, right. It's exactly. It's just, like, stalking. And you call middle-aged school daughter. She is 30. That daughter is 30 in this week. <laughs> I know. Her beard is thicker than DeVito's. So uh, what happens so anyway, next? yes, he's marching and chanting, learning to Hamlet. And once again, it's like, okay, like... The movie's over again, right? The movie's over. No, there's a half hour left. We have a van trip to go see Hamlet. Let's go. No, they go to see Henry the fucking fifth. Oh, is that what they see? Yes. Oh, I see. I don't they know go, my Shakespeare. I'm sorry. Go watch Henry the fucking fifth. The actor in that play, he was kind of carrying that scene pretty well. Yeah, yeah. You know he points to this at parties. Oh, yeah. He's at like, Thanksgiving. Let me show you my Henry the fifth. You guys want to watch a Renaissance <laughs> Man again? <laughs> A love interest pops up out of nowhere. Like twenty minutes of the movie, suddenly it's like, and it's all because of him trying to lie his way in a military department. He commits fraud. He commits fraud. He lies to multiple women's face, uh, and they're like, "That's adorable." Yeah, she flirty, flirtishly smiles with him. Super flirty. Yeah. The next scene between them, they're on a very product placement product placement date at Burger, at Burger King. King. It's established uh, you get the Burger King logo fully. Or just like menu items behind them, and it, he's talking about the Whopper. Their first that. dialogue is like, "I got a whole set of these cans with the logo pointed right at the thing." I know they're great, right? <laughs> How in the fuck does this movie cost forty? They've got money for Burger King too. They even sold ads. He gets a letter from the kid in jail who says, uh, "Who ends?" He ends his letter to him from jail after he thanks him for being in jail with a Shakespeare quote, the rest is silence, which is not the quote you want to use from the prison cell. <laughs> I know, right? He's found hanging in the cell. The next day. <laughs> <laughs> um, so but, we're coming into what really is the final stretch of this movie. Thank now. God. So we've had the two climaxes. We've had Bill climb the victory tower. I had like four climaxes we've in had, this movie. <laughs> yeah, right? I, mean, I had to take a couple of breaks. Uh, we've had Bill... Learning, once again, how to do it the military way and being humbled and giving up his ad career and deciding I'm going to stick here with these kids, right? But ah, that's still still not enough plot, Penny. So let's try to throw in some kind of stand and deliver, big game, big test ending. Yes. Oh, my God. So let me, let me explain the potentially life-ruining mind fuck of a scenario that Bill Rago, who, again, whose journey is to care about these fucking kids – 
Let me tell you what he presents to them. The The military says, he talks about, I'm going to give him a final exam. Yeah. James Remar's like, don't give him a final exam. You did great. Like, you did Everybody's great. happy. The, everyone learned, like, obviously the kids are doing better. The sergeants are happy. The movie like, ended 40 minutes yeah, ago. Yeah, like, the movie's over, Bill. Like, your contract is long up. <laughs> <laughs> like, this is, we're on week eight of your six-week contract. Could you please leave? But Bill decides, no, they need to have a final test because they know that they can do it. And I know that they can do it. But they need to know that they know that they know <laughs> that they can do it. That I made them do it. So he presents to the students this offer. There will be a final exam on Hamlet. If you decide to not take the exam, you will pass, you will move on, and you will continue your Army career. Which, by the way, it has been well established that all of these kids, like this is the one thing, they all need the they Army. They need the Army. They need it. They're coming from abusive backgrounds. They have no career prospects. They're completely poor. You got the guy with the blown knee and the, the wife. You got the crack dealer. Like the cra- crack dealer almost turned his life around because of the Army, right? Like they desperately need the Army. But he says, okay, first of all, skip the test. You will pass and you will just move on and that's fine. If you take the test, and you fail, you'll be discharged from the army, which I have the authority to do as a civilian instructor on a six-week contract. That authority somehow supersedes direct orders from military officers, the very top brass of the entire base. Yeah. This is the offer that he gives to them. And this is seen as like somehow noble of him right. and somehow like he's being a great guy. Yeah. When this seems to be completely like if there's any reason for it, it would just be to satisfy his own, am I really a teacher? Yes. You know what I mean? Like yeah. his his ego is the only reason. He should have just flat out said, kids, I need this. Yeah, like <laughs> I need it. I tell you what. I need you I'll to meet you my a, challenge. I'll give you all A's. It's fine. Just take take it as pro forma. But instead he actually offers a scenario where their lives will be completely Completely and irreparably ruined. So they debate it for one scene, and then, of course, they're all there to take it. There's a tiny bit of tension built in where he's looking out the door, see if they're coming. But, oh, they're coming, and they're there to take the test. And they take the test, and it turns out to be the most softball test you can possibly imagine. It's literally a montage of them just raising their arms and going, Ophelia, yes. Hamlet. (laughs) (laughs) Plays. Plays. So, again... Big but test, the funniest the thing big is, ending. They're, while they're taking it, there's like this patriotic marching music yes. being played over this Hamlet test. <laughs> what the fuck are we doing? <laughs> I don't get it. Uh, so once again, that should end the movie, right? I mean, we had the big test. Everyone passed. That's all good. Yeah. Nope, not over yet. Bill gets uh, some information from the, his uh, girlfriend while he's out on his uh, Burger King date. From the very most illegal FIOIA. Yes, right, I know. His his, uh, his new girlfriend commits uh, any number of uh, treasonous... Uh, I buy you a rodeo burger. Acts of treason, I know. I give you like, a smooch. Watch Whopper Jr., treason. You give me POW files. <laughs> Deal. So sign me up. He gets the information. He's like, "Oh, I got to go right now." It uh, immediately starts raining like crazy. He runs to the uh, field where, as they doing are constantly, everyone is being drilled. Night maneuvers. Uh, they're doing night maneuvers. It's the most the fakey looking fucking setup. It is so obviously a raid machine, just pelting these kids with rain. And I, and side note, I hate in movies when they do f- lightning and thunder at the same time. So every time their lights, their face flashes up. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Thunder cracks, which you would only hear if you were under. Or getting struck by lightning. I know, right? 
Get off the field. <laughs> they just know. We're army strong. He has the information about the father, but he sees Gregory Hines, who is drilling his students especially hard, and he's getting in the New York kid's face, and he's saying, yeah, you didn't learn anything about Shakespeare, and then the kid's like, yes, I did, and then starts reciting lines from Henry V, and as he's reciting the lines, the music is swelling, and because he's getting all of the lines right, yeah. and the look on Gregory Hines' face, which is like, oh, I'm getting put in my place, <laughs> and it's like... What? How? This is like a Shakespeare how? slam of the highest order. He's just reciting a line from Shakespeare. And it's like, oh, man. But, like, that doesn't do anything for anyone. That doesn't no. make him better at at, at drilling. No, but you would think so because all the soldiers are creeping in around them to oh. watch this. Because, again, just a little, mm, just a drop of that Shakespeare. That's a sweet, sweet baby. soliloquy, baby. Mm. I kept thinking of the scene in... Uh, Shawshank Redemption, where he plays like <laughs> he plays classical music over the thing, and all the prisoners for some stand reason there, like, the whole prison down, like <laughs> music pre. Devito sitting in the stands with his daughter. They're watching everybody march, and there's an awards ceremony. They finally honor Davis's dad with the silver star, right. which Cliff Robertson, when he delivers it, gives it to him. He smiles at him. Like, <laughs> that's so not a colonel in the army, what they would do when, during this very yeah, solemn. Just beaming. Here's a this. silver star for a dead fallen soldier. I think he understands that that, that was the kid's journey, which was apparently the entire journey of the film. Because if like, it's, this is the climax. If it's one thing you see in army parades, it's a lot of grinning. Just a lot, a of, lot sm- of smiling. smiling. Like, oh, you guys. <laughs> they have that. The movie's still not fucking over because uh, – Bill Rago is now walking around. His contract has to be up. He's just hanging around the base. This is it. Like, this is the weird thing is no one at any point was like, it's a contract, but, you know, potential to go full time. Yeah, never. It's just like, no, six week contract. And then it, it just as he's wandering around the base now and they're like, hey, Bill, you coming back to teach more Shakespeare, I guess? I want to see a sequel where it's like Home Alone. He's just hiding out in there or like <laughs> he won't leave. <laughs> He's just still on the base. He lives his underground existence on the base. <laughs> it's like anything to get away from that daughter of mine. And then it just ends with him walking, and then we cut to credits. And it's just over, and it's like, oh, man, he finally has accepted the military for what it is for like the eighth time in this movie. Yeah, something that's been around for hundreds of years doing it their way <laughs> and not the Bill Regal way. Oh, okay, terrible movie. Um, Really bad, and I mean, not not like... You know, not not Teddy Rex bad. It's it's like competent. It's competent, right? I mean, there's 40 million. It's not on the screen, but like, there's some nice crane, couple of nice crane shots, and everything's well framed and well lit and everything like that. But it's just like, and I could not find any information on the back end of the film. It's like, why did this? What happened? Like, was there a troubled shoot or something like that? If I were gonna guess, just based on an educated guess, I have to think this started out as like a as more closer to Dead Poet Society. Yeah. You know what I mean? Because this movie is essentially Sister Act meets Dead Poet Society in the army. Yeah. I would say it's probably someone who did something based on their own life, like a Dangerous Minds kind of thing, you know? And it was like, yeah, I, I taught in the army, and then I learned these life lessons and stuff like that. And then once it became like Danny DeVito and Penny Marshall are attached, it was like, oh, it's a comedy now. Yeah. Okay, so now ex-wife, gone, daughter, two scenes, right. out. 
all, love story out, all the other stuff out. Now it's bring just, in Begley, bring in Begley, and now it's just a stream of like just like write a joke, write a joke, write a joke, and it's just like every comment, every scene needs like some sort of a tag joke to it, and they just like land with louder and louder thuds as the movie goes on, and and. Then the movie at a certain point is like, no, take this shit seriously. You know yeah. what I mean? Like, be, really be serious about teaching these kids to uh, learn their goddamn Shakespeare. So anyway, Renaissance Man, uh, let's give our wrap-up and ratings. Any final thoughts on the movie, Quirky? I would only buy this movie is if it existed in the Bright World, where he had to like teach a room of orcs. Because <laughs> in the Bright World, orcs would probably serve in the military because yeah. they're not, you know, they need to get better their lives. They're not that smart. Or maybe if it was like Renaissance Fair Man. Renaissance Fair Man. They were all like jousters instead of. <laughs> but even Renaissance Fair, he's got to teach orcs. <laughs> Oh my god, we're making this. Ah, this is so much. Better. I would only buy that that they didn't know what plays were, and then they eat him by the end, though. Yeah. In, that, in my in my story, yeah, I thought this was especially painful because, like I say, it just there is there's nothing pushing the story forward. It is just all of these kind of like non punchlines in a vacuum. So the movie feels endless. When we got to that point about an hour in, and it felt like the movie was over, it was like this feels like it's been two or three hours already, but it only yeah. been an hour. Um, so to recap our ratings, your average bad movie gets a dare, your worse than average, your next level bad movie gets a double dare, and a movie that we actually sort of like gets a reverse dare. Corky, what do you rate in Penny Marshall's Renaissance? I'm giving this double dare. Don't watch this. It's not a double dare with, with zest. It's not an enthusiastic double dare. Yeah, it is more of a, it's less of a, a, a jumpy Gregory Hines march and more of a death march. <laughs> uh, yeah, dirge. I go double dare too. This was super hard to sit through. There's just no, there's no reason for the movie to exist. You know what I mean? Like there's just no justification for why the film exists other than, Danny DeVito and Penny Marshall had a little space in their schedule, and they've always wanted to work together. So I watched it with my girlfriend. She comes from a military family, and she likes these kind of redemption movies. I was like, oh, you, you'll probably like this. And about halfway through, she's like, I want to like this movie. Like, I, I, I see what I want to like. Right. But this movie's fucking awful. Yeah. So that's two double dares for Renaissance Man. That's all we have for you on this episode of Dare Daniel. But we will be back in two weeks to review another one of your movie dares, you sons of bitches. In the meantime, check out our mini episode next week for a preview of our next Dare Daniel review, as well as more talk about your dares and bad movies in general. In the meantime, send your most sadistic or altruistic movie dares to us at daredaniel.com. And be sure to follow Dare Daniel Pod on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. Like and rate us on iTunes or wherever you listen to podcasts. You can read more of my movie reviews in the Sacramento News and Review and at newsreview.com. And you can read my craft beer column in the Sacramento Bee and at sacbee.com. Corky, where can people find your spud duds? You can find my spud duds. I'm going to be performing at Fort McLean Base in Michigan. Good gig. I'll be doing some improv with my team, Army, Navy, be all you or not to be. Throw out a word. It has to be Shakespeare. (laughs) Uh, don't watch, don't watch Renaissance. Don't man. do it. Watch good entertainment. We love you. Yeah. Bye. <laughs>